0: In today's message, we turn to the Word of God and we see a queen and we see two prisoners. They are located in different times, totally different geographic areas of the world. One is in a palace, two are in a prison. But all three are positioned for a miracle. Perfectly positioned, in fact, to see impossible become the extraordinary. Through the right circumstance, the right God, the right faith in that father who turns impossibility on its head. Are you ready to see the miraculous in your own life? Friend, I am. Let's get into it together. Thank you for joining us at Arlington United. So we turn to Esther chapter 4 and we find in verse 13, Esther four thirteen. There's this guy who's a guard, and his name is Mordecai. The setting is we're in the Persian Empire, probably around 400 or so years before the birth of Jesus. So this is about 100 years before Alexander the Great. And here's Mordecai. He commanded to answer Esther. So he sends a messenger back. He says, Think not with yourself that you will escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if you all together hold your peace at this time, Then there will come enlargement and deliverance that will arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house will be destroyed. And who knows whether you come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther bade them return to Mordecai this answer. Go, gather all the Jews which are present in Shushan and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. Myself and my maidens will fast also. I'll go into the king which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way. He did all that Esther had commanded him. So there's one scene in the Old Testament. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to see another scene. Acts chapter 16, verse 19. When her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and threw them into the marketplace unto the rulers. They brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. I just want to pause here in these two scenes and mention that persecution of Jewish people is not new. What we saw yesterday in Texas is an old, old story, and the people that bear God's name have been persecuted for millennia. We thank God that everybody in that synagogue got out safely. I know many of you prayed that that would happen, and I thank God that he took care of those people. So they were persecuting Paul and Silas. Verse 22, The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Lord, we thank you for your word. We're thankful for the text that we have read today. And I pray that you would make this word to come alive to us. Lord, supernaturally empower me now, if you will, to relay your word in such a way that your people can receive it with power and anointing and that it will encourage each of us before we leave this place and this time of gathering together. In the name of Jesus, the church said amen. Amen. Three people from today's text, and they appear to be in vastly different circumstances. They're separated by about four or five hundred years of time, separated by a thousand or fifteen hundred miles, and... There's a queen, and she's lounging in luxury on a divan in Susa. She's got everything her heart could possibly desire. Mary, this queen, she says it, it happens. All she's got to do is snap her fingers. that would be nice for a day or two, wouldn't it? Five-star spa, getaway day, Esther had it all. Her life was a five-star spa, anything she needed. Even before she got married to Hazarus, the Bible says that she had six months to get ready for a date. Candice, I mean, how perfect could you be if you had six months to go out with Scott for Valentine's Day? That's all you had to do, is go to the spa and stay there for six months. I mean, she had a life of luxury, and she, she's sitting there, and her every need, her every desire is being attended to by this staff. Then you've got two apostles, and they're crouching, they're, they're beaten, and they're bruised, and they're bloodied, they're half-naked shivering from the cold, and their feet are bound in the stocks. What a contrast. How, how different can it be? Paul and Silas are in the inner prison, and their feet are in the stocks. They've just had, they've been beaten within, if you will, an inch of their life. And here's this lady on a couch, and she's got everything she could possibly want. But in fact, they've got more in common than you would think. Because all three of these people are hated By evil powers. And those evil powers have found human agents that will attack these people that are bearing the covenant and the name of God. In the Old Testament, Esther was a queen, but she was a Jewish person first, which meant that she worshipped one God. His name was Yahweh, and he was the God of all heaven. And she was hated by Haman for it. But Haman wasn't the start of that hatred. Satan was the start of that hatred. Hatred of the people of God is an evil that people take on and participate in, but they don't originate it. Hatred of the people of God comes from the devil himself. And Paul and Silas, for preaching the gospel of this Jewish Lord and Messiah named Jesus, were bound and beaten in prison by these wicked men who really thought that they were, you know, they were mad because they, they had this little scheme going where they had a sorcery thing going on. They were charging people all this money to, 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 to talk to this young lady who had this so-called spiritual gift that was probably empowered by demonic power. And yet they thought they were protecting their business. But what really was happening was these evil spirits were attacking the people of God. I want to make a statement right now that, that, that I hope you won't think is too spooky and is too strange. But not everything in your life happens for the reason that most people think it happens. Sometimes you fall under attack just because you stand for the God that is the God of eternity rather than the God of this world. Sometimes, now, you know, not every flat tire is spiritual, not every negative review at work has to do with demonic attacks. Sometimes you may have just done a bad job, but every now and then there is a time when you're attacked unfairly. And that's what happened to Esther. That's what happened to Paul. It's what happened to Silas. Don't forget in those moments, it's not about you, it's about whom you serve. And Rebecca, if it's not about you, you don't have to handle it. If you're attacked because of the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus will defend you. If you're attacked because of the Lord, the Lord will defend you. They're in a tough spot. Can anybody anybody relate to being in a tough spot? Has anybody ever had circumstances that were against you? The real truth, the real truth is that Paul, Silas, and Esther were all positioned for a miracle. They were positioned for a miracle. They were positioned for a miracle. There are three elements of being positioned for a miracle. And number one is the right circumstance. Now, when you talk about the right circumstance, having somebody try to have genocide doesn't seem like the right circumstance, like Haman was doing Having somebody beat you and place you in prison doesn't seem the right circumstance. But if you ever thought about it? You can't have a miracle without an impossibility. It is not... Everybody wants the testimony, Candace, but nobody wants the diagnosis. Everybody wants the victory, but nobody signs up. and says, yes, I'd like an extra battle today. We all want to testify how we didn't have enough money to pay the bills and yet there came that $1,000 check in the mail and everything was okay. But who wants to be in red in their bank account and have to call their banker? We all want to be delivered, but who wants to be diagnosed? In order for us to see the miraculous, the Red Sea doesn't part unless you're up against the Red Sea, Scott. To be in the right circumstance means that if you are facing something you cannot handle, then you're in the right circumstance for a miracle. You are positioned... For a miracle, if your lawn needs cutting and your lawnmower's full of gas and you have a good strong back and two legs, don't stand out in the middle of your lawn and say, "Lord, I need a miracle." You're not positioned for a miracle. You can deal with that. If you've got a three hundred dollar bill to MLGW and there's five hundred dollars in your account, don't stand there in your front lawn and say, "Lord, deliver me from MLGW." That's a stupid prayer. Sorry, it just is. Uh, uh, um, excuse me, ill-informed. Let me use a, a more a more uh, a, a better and nicer term. It's an ill and full because you can handle that. But if there is something in your life, hear me, hear me. If there's something in your life that you can't handle by yourself, I would urge you to consider whether or not that circumstance is there. To show you that God has the ability to deal with things that you and I can't deal with. If your lawyer can handle it, you're not in a position for a miracle. If your doctor can give you a Z-pack and it'll go away, you're not in position for a miracle. If your banker can give you a loan and get you out of the situation, you're not in a position for a miracle. If you can talk to a counselor and the counselor can find you a way out of it, you're not in a position for a miracle. But if you're facing something that humans can't help you with and that you don't have the power to overturn and you don't have the ability or the knowledge or the wisdom to deal with, you are in a position for the miraculous. You need the right circumstance. And for a Christian, the right circumstance for a miracle is an impossible situation because my God, Scott King, eats impossible for breakfast. My God makes impossible impossible my God makes impossible disappear my God makes impossible go away because I serve a God who rolled a stone away and walked out on the third day I serve a God who ascended into the heavens and he is still on high at the right hand of the father my God has all authority and all power in the universe he doesn't acknowledge the impossible except to say it is possible through me if you're an impossibility today, you're in the right circumstance for a miracle. But everybody faces the impossible. But not everybody has the right God. So everybody gets in the right circumstance for a miracle. But, Preston, not everybody's got the right God. Now, I'm not talking about some having a gold statue in your house and bowing down to it and burning incense. But we need to understand as Christians that we can be as susceptible to idolatry As those that have never heard the name of Jesus and what I mean by that is an idol is anything that you worship or depend on for deliverance more so than God himself I'll say that again idolatry is what you exalt above Jesus or what you depend on more than Jesus some of us if we're not careful we can put our education or our abilities, or our jobs, or our understanding ahead of the deliverance of God himself. And sometimes when we're up against it, I have to confess sometimes, you know, when I have a need, sometimes my first response is not to say, Lord, I have a need. Sometimes when I have a need, my first response is just say, I'll power through it, and I'll work harder, and, and I'll do this, and I'll do that, or I'll, I'll move this around, or that around, or I'm just going to work harder, and I'm going to do this. Let me tell you, if, if, if God help if you're that way, if you're kind of like me. And it, it, sometimes I'm a little bullheaded in that. My wife would probably just remove that word little and just say, I'm, I'm just bullheaded about that. But she's out there, so I can just say what she would say. But anyway, I, I, you know, the deal is, if you're like that, listen to me. Please hear me today, because I could probably save you a little bit of trouble from the voice of experience. If you are determined to make it through on your own power, God will put you in a circumstance when you recognize that you're not enough for the situation that you're in. I know there's a meme that goes around, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. Every time I see it, I want to poke a hole in my phone and say, no, you're not, no, you're not. God is enough. God is enough. And if we have the Lord, if we have the right God, we're in the right position for a miracle. You need the right circumstance. You need the right God. Psalm 2 says, some trust in chariots, and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, what does it mean? You're going to look for a Clydesdale out in your yard and, and ask somebody? For a tri- no, what it means is some trust in what humans can do, and I thank God for a bank account. I thank God I've got an attorney. I thank God for the sheriff's department. I thank God for, for my home. I thank God for my car. I, I thank God for what I have, but the truth is there are some circumstances that my banker, my lawyer, my house, my truck cannot handle. And for that, I am thankful that I can trust in the Lord. David said to Goliath, you're coming at me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of enemies, the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, you know, David's got his sling, and he's going to sling his sling. But Candace, what he knew and what you know and I know is that it wasn't the power that was in the stone. It was the power that was in the rock of Jesus Christ. It was a power of God that was behind David. And David understood that. I love it. I love it. I love it. He said, you're coming at me with a sword and a spear. That's the offensive weapons of Goliath. And that's what's scary. Willie, if a guy's got a spear that weighs 40 pounds and he's nine foot tall and you got to fight him on foot, that's pretty scary. But he didn't just say, you're coming at me with a sword and a spear. Because that's what he could do to David. Listen, Scott, at what the scripture said. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield. David identified the fact that Goliath had defensive weaponry. What is that showing us? That David not only noticed what Goliath could do to him, he noticed the defenses that Goliath had for what David could do to Goliath. I am sick and tired of living a retiring Christianity that sits back and fortifies itself and says, oh, I hope the devil can't destroy my family. I hope the devil can't destroy our church and our ministry. I hope the devil can't destroy our finances or our health. And I want to say to enemy today, any enemy that would attack our families, any enemy that would attack the church, any enemy that would try to destroy any one of God's precious sheep, I want to say to all those Goliaths, as it were, you may have a sword You may have a spear, but they're gonna be about effective as your shield. Because if you come against us, we're not only going to be safe from you, but you're not gonna be safe from the power of God. If the enemy attacks you in your life, remember that you can fight back in the name of Jesus, and you can fight back with the power of the Lord. Now we don't fight as people fight, we don't we don't fight eye for an eye, tooth for tooth flesh. And Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. Here's what I would advise you to do. If you find out that you have been unfairly attacked in your life and Satan is going around and making your life miserable, I would encourage you to make his life miserable. I would encourage you, if you're attacked, you, you begin to pray prayers like, Lord, I want you to bring down the, the powers that drive adultery and pornography in Arlington. Lord, I want you to, to bring down the powers of racism and division and slavery try that are in our nation right now. Lord, I, I want you to bring down the powers of self-sufficiency that keep people from turning to you and Lord, I ask you to bring your spirit to Arlington to convict people of their sins and help them to turn to you in salvation and to accept your covenant. Those are the kind of prayers that make Goliath want to get off the battlefield. Those are the types of prayers that damage the enemy and Christian, you are not powerless, you are not weak, you are not defenseless, but you are strong in the Lord your God. I would to God that during this fast that we have planned, that some of you would determine in your spirit that if you're going to have to be in a battle, that you're going to go ahead and do some damage. That if you're going to have to be in a fight for your life and your family's life, that we may as well be real about it and say, Lord, I have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I am a person that is filled with Holy Ghost power. I'm a person that bears the name of Jesus. And so I'm going to offer hope to somebody. I'm going to offer peace to somebody. I'm going to offer goodness to somebody. It can happen by accident. I I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, and he said that his wife was celebrating uh, uh, an anniversary or birthday or something, and they went to um, a, a Mexican restaurant, which was a little unusual for them because she's not really a fan of that particular type of food. They did it just because they thought they did it because they had a larger table that they could get in, and so the the larger family could get in there. On the way out the door, they meet these people, and I don't know what it was about Sister Walker, but she just smiled at this lady, and they started talking. You know how that is. Well, about 15 minutes later, (laughs) yes, Scott, you know, you're married to one of those Sister Walker types, and so they start talking and all that, and the next thing you know, that lady says, I'm so glad you stopped me. You, You seem like such a person with a Peaceful spirit, and I'm paraphrasing here. The bottom line was her mother's 82 years old, and her mother had told her recently, She said, Before I die, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and I want to be baptized in Jesus' name before I die. And the daughter didn't know where to go to get her baptized, and so this little family goes to a Mexican restaurant, and they just happen to not, you know, cuss their way out the door, and they just happen to not turn over any tables, and they just happen to be people filled with the fruit of the spirit and they just happen to be friendly and start up a conversation and then these people are due this week there's a there's a grandmother there's the daughter and then there's the the granddaughter they're going to be baptized this week and guess what they're, they're going to be baptized up in dyersburg that's where the lady works but then they live here in arlington so the family church is asking us to start their bible study after they're baptized and so You know, God just has those kinds. What what am I saying to you? I'm saying that there are people all over that God's spirit is dealing with. We don't have to, I mean, it'd be great to have a million dollar marketing campaign. I wish we had a billboard on airline and and, and on, on Highway 70. And I wish we had, you know, all this. I wish we had a lot of fancy things. We don't have a lot of those things. But I tell you what we do have. The spirit of the Lord is going up and down the earth and looking for people that are turning to him. And if we get involved in the spiritual battle, we can make a difference. It's time we stop looking for the escape hatch out of our problems and begin to believe that our God, our God is going to use our situation to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. If I could just be a little personal here, I would, I would say if I had a window on hell's strategy room today, I would imagine that it was an horrific mistake to allow illness to come against Anna Bledsoe because before it's over, I would imagine that young lady is going to use her circumstance for the glory of God. I would imagine that it's going to be a hard time shutting her up about what the Lord has done for her. You look at Nick and her husband and all that God has done for them. You guys, I know you're online today, and I just just want to commend you for your faithfulness. Instead of running from the situation, they've leaned straight into it with the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish you could have seen uh, Nick on Sunday night a week ago. Aaron and I went over to their house and... Because of COVID, you know, we, we're accustomed as Pentecostals to laying hands on people. And I said, Anna, I'm not going to come over there and lay hands on you. I said, Nick's going to lay hands on you tonight. And so they ran, and we got some olive oil. We didn't even get the salad dressing this time. Y'all know that joke. And, and uh, Nick turned around, and I'm telling you, when he started praying for Anna, the power of the Holy Spirit came on that porch, and God began to move and to bless her and gave her such peace, and, and, and then her healing was confirmed during this last week. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing. If you're in a position for a miracle, you need the right circumstance You need the right God, and then finally, you need the right confidence, the right confidence. The Bible says if we have confidence in the Lord, our foot is not going to be taken. Now, Mary, I don't don't know what you weigh. You're not a big muscular person. You're you're one of the smaller people here today. But if Mary got out in the middle of that aisle, and she just planted her feet, and we're playing Red Rover, and they said, send Mark Mosier right over. Mark, Mark is bigger. Mark is bigger. And if, and if he ran, you know, you know. And some of us sometimes, we may feel like that we've planted our feet and we're going to be moved and something is going to come and, and shove us out of the way. And uh, I'm just using an example because y'all are family. But, you know, you know Mary is, is smaller and you might think you could shove her out of the way. But I'm going to tell you what, the smallest, hear me now, the smallest Christian, the most, the, the, the newest Christian, Somebody that that you might think in spiritual stature is, is as small as Sister Mary is physically. Let me tell you something. When that Christian stands against all the powers of the enemy, but they stand in the power of the might of Jesus Christ, and they have confidence in the right God, in the right circumstance, God will make a difference. God will make a difference. God will show up, and he will do what only he can do. Remember what Elijah said to his servant. They're surrounded by that big army. And the servant Gehazi, he's kind of shaking in his boots. And Elisha said, hey, open his eyes. The spirit opened his eyes. And he saw all around there was an army of angels. I wish. I wish sometimes the spirit would open my eyes. And I could really see what's going on. I wish the spirit could open your eyes. And you could really see what's going on. Sometimes when you you're driving that truck up to St. Louis, Scott, and you're you're driving and and, and, and and there's accidents perhaps that you're protected from because you know Candace may have prayed that day or Preston and Harrison said, Lord protect dad, Lord protect my husband. I wish I wish we could see what the Lord protects us from. I wish in our battles when we're feeling lonely and depressed and I wish when we were feeling down or if we're sick or there's a family struggle that we're going through. I wish we could see. What the Lord does on our behalf, because I believe it would cause us to be a Christian that is having confidence. The Bible says Paul was able to preach the kingdom of God with all confidence and without hindrance. Confidence and hindrance. They're inversely proportional. You can be hindered or you can be confident. You really can't be both. And sometimes when we focus on all the hindrances that we have, we get our eyes off the confidence that we have in Christ. But I believe that if we would exalt Jesus above our circumstance today, I believe that if we would lift Him high above all of our problems, and I believe if we would look unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, that all these hindrances that are around us would begin to dissipate and we would not weigh them heavily against the weight of the glory that is in God in Christ Jesus. Confidence. Let me tell you what the root word means. That confidence it means with and fidelis is faith. We have faith with. Scott, when you have confidence in God, you don't have confidence by yourself because I have faith with you and I have faith for you. When I'm weak and I hear you and you send a text to me of some bird that you've taken a picture of and said, doesn't God make good things? Or you send me one of those star pictures and say, you know, it all happened by accident, didn't it? Ha ha ha. That I have confidence, I have faith with. Look around you today. I understand there aren't 10,000 people in this room, but I can tell you that a church plan of 10 people would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah because God was willing to save a whole city for a small group of people that were committed to Him. And I'm telling you, you can have faith in God and you're not standing alone. You're standing with a platoon of people that believe in the same God you believe in. They're praying the same prayers that you're praying and they believe in the same name of Jesus that you planted yourself in. And God is going to take us through. How did Esther respond? Prayer. Fasting. How did Paul and Silas respond? Prayer. Worship. Critical mistake, Brother Mosier. You know what they did? The Bible says that the Philippian jailer put their feet in the stocks. Never leave a Pentecostal where he can get his hands up. Critical error, Willie. Should have put their hands in the stocks, too. Because you can beat an apostolic, but you can't beat the praise out of him. You can put his feet into stocks, but you can't stop him from lifting hands. You can't stop a true Christian. You can't stop a true believer. You can't stop someone who has all the confidence in the God who rules the world. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises to God. Here's what I want to tell you. Esther wasn't delivered by herself. Every Jew from the Black Sea to Alexandria was delivered because Esther prayed and fasted and went before the king. Paul and Silas weren't delivered alone. Brother Mark, the Bible says that every prisoner's bands were loosed. Candace, I'm going to prophesy to you today, when God does what you're asking him to do, it's not just going to benefit you, but everybody around you is going to see what God has delivered you through. And it's going to be a testimony to people. Sometimes the circumstance that we're in is not about us. It's so somebody else can be delivered as well. I believe that if we will turn to God in our circumstance, and if we're positioned for the miraculous, God is going to do a great work. Would you stand with me if you're in the room today? Those of you that are online, the sermon is finished, but we're going to respond to the Word of God today. Paul and Silas weren't delivered by themselves. Esther wasn't delivered by themselves. You know the story? Jesus calmed the storm. The disciples said, don't you care? We're going to perish. You're sleeping down here. Jesus, come on. What in the world? And they wake him up and, you know, Jesus. (laughs) Steps out to the bow. Peace, be still. And the, the Sea of Galilee is like glass. Mark 4 and 36, you read it. Mark 4 and 36, the Bible says there were other little ships that were with them, little ships. You see, when they got delivered, Candace, they weren't the only ones. Because their ship wasn't the only one in the water. But when Jesus said, Peace be still, the disciples were saved, yes. But every ship on the Sea of Galilee got home safely that day. There were no widows. In those villages by the seashore that night. No children lost a father that day on the sea. Because they woke up the right God. And they had confidence in the right one, And they recognized that they were in the right circumstance for Jesus to do the miraculous. They didn't hand him a pail and a bucket and say, do what we're doing. They handed him a storm and said, do what you can do. I wish somebody today would hand God a situation and say, I've been doing what I can do for about as long as I can take it. And I need you to do what you can do. And when He delivers you, He's going to take care of a whole bunch of people that are around you. He's going to witness to a whole bunch of people through your life. He's going to work a miracle that will witness to a whole bunch of people if you'll just turn it over to the right God with the right confidence today. Your impossibility It's the circumstances that positioned you for a miracle. But your confidence in your God. Hear me today. I'm prophesying under the anointing of the Spirit. Your confidence in your God is not only going to see you through. Listen to me. Look at me. Your confidence in God is not only going to see you through. But it's going to help someone else to see their way through. Because you're going to show them the Lord in your circumstance, not you. Not your bank account, not your education, not your house, not your car, not your family, not your prowess and your field. But you're gonna show them you're God. Are you in a position for a miracle? Remember, when circumstances seem impossible, that's actually When we're positioned for a miracle. We have an opportunity in those seemingly impossible circumstances to turn to a father who makes impossible a lie. And if we have that right God in the right circumstance and we turn to him with proper faith, he's not only going to deliver us, but he's going to use us as a catalyst to bring deliverance to others. No one gets delivered alone. Could it be that God is using your circumstance to bring freedom to others. Have you thought about that testimony and how God's going to use this circumstance to bring him glory? God bless you and thank you for joining us at Arlington United.